coming up. You think you know what Rosh Hashanah is all about? Well, it's time to think again. Welcome everyone to At Home in Jerusalem, the podcast on H.com. I'm Heather Dean, and this is the place where each week a well-known Torah scholar drops by for a visit and shares important insights that will make home life better. And today I'm at Asia Torah's headquarters in Jerusalem, Israel, with my guest, Rabbi David Aaron, who will be sharing some thought-provoking facts about Rosh Hashanah. Rabbi Aaron is the dean and founder of Israelite, an international organization and Center for Jewish Learning in Jerusalem's Old City, and Yeshivat Oraita, which offers a one- to two-year program for high school graduates. To contact Rabbi Aaron or to purchase any of his eight books, you can visit rabbidavidaaron.com, and that's R-A-B-B-I-D-A-V-I-D-A-A-R-O-N.com. Welcome, Rabbi David Aaron, to At Home in Jerusalem. Thank you so much. So among other titles, Rosh Hashanah is known as the Day of Judgment. And in, in an article that you published on your website, you urge the reader to, and I quote, think of it as a work performance evaluation. And I'm, so I'm just wondering, is this your way of saying that we'd better brace ourselves to be in the hot seat with our employer, the Almighty? Depends what uh, your perception of the uh, employer. You mm-hmm. know, uh, in this case, the employer loves you cares about you, and is completely and only on your side. I don't know if every employer is that way. I hope they are. (laughs) But I'm not sure every employer loves his employees. Uh, So um, this is about us. This is not about the employee and his company and doesn't care about the employee. Mm -hmm. This is about how to help you and give you what you need in order for you to become the best you can this coming year. And therefore, sadly, a lot of people see it as a day of judgment. It's kind of heavy and intense, and it can be something sad. Uh, I encourage people to see it as an opportunity for growth and greater clarity on what they can do better. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, so why is Rosh Hashanah an auspicious time to, to consider whether we're living up to our potential? This is also something you discussed in your article. Right. Well, uh, our sages teach us that actually... Um, man was created on Rosh Hashanah. So it's kind of like the day the company starts. I mean, you know, you have the you, you have the building all in place, but until you start getting your first employee, mm-hmm. your <laughs> company hasn't really started. So mm-hmm. I think it's a great time to uh, kind of uh, have the annual review of how we're doing, what have we done? What do we need to do? Where are we going? And that's what Rosh Hashanah is about. Very nice. Okay. So as you said, Rosh Hashanah, that's the day when human beings were first created. And you've spoken about how we can participate in the process of self-creation. I'm wondering if you could expand on that idea. Well, one of the extraordinary teachings of uh, Torah is that we are partners with God, junior partners, but partners. It's not completely just uh, an employee-employer relationship, but rather we have uh, shares in the company, and the employer really wants us to have shares in the company because uh, uh, the world was created for us to be partners with God, and uh, that's, uh, that itself is a great gift to, to, you know, I think very often people see religion as something that disempowers you, Uh, Certainly not our religion. Our religion Mm -hmm. is all about empowerment. Uh, It really uh, is an understanding that you are lifted up to a level where you are literally understood to be 
partners with God, again, junior partners, but okay. partners nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So we are real participants in, in, in this. So on the topic of Rosh Hashanah, you've also written that who you are is God's gift to you, and who you become is your gift to God. So it is hard for many of us to feel like a gift to anyone when we consider our various weaknesses or bad habits or poor, poor choices. What is an imperfect person to do? Well, it goes back to what is the company all about? Why Why are we here? And uh, this uh, deserves a lot more time than we have, but let's begin anyways. Um, Torah teaches that God wants to be in this world. And, uh, and what does that mean that God wants yeah. to be in this world? Mm-hmm. Well, the only thing we really know about God is the divine attributes. And the divine attributes is kindness, compassion, um, peace, wisdom, justice, truth. And so what that means to bring God into this world is to bring kindness, peace, justice, compassion, love into the world. That's what it means to bring God into the world. And um, that's what we're here to do. So now, you know, what is a higher manifestation of love? If love came easy and it was just natural for me, then is that the highest expression of love? It's it's precisely when I'm challenged in my love and I nonetheless choose to love people mm-hmm. that I'm bringing an incredibly rich mm-hmm. presence of love into the world. It's precisely when I'm at conflict with people but overcome that and I work towards peace. Imagine the kind of peace I bring into the world. Mm-hmm. And therefore the brokenness that challenges the problems is actually the raw material that we create create values Mm -hmm. that are extraordinary values because we are going above what is, um, I mean, we're being challenged and we're choosing to overcome that challenge and we're choosing love, peace, kindness, compassion. And that is bringing a quality of goodness that's extraordinary in the world. So if you want to demonstrate unconditional love, then you need conditions that challenge your love in order to express unconditional love. Mm -hmm. And therefore, our problems are really our opportunities. Hmm. That is so empowering to hear that your example of making that choice um, to choose peace, let's say, in a relationship. So a lot of us, you know, it takes a lot of thinking, a lot of maturity uh, and uh, just to make that decision, you know, for the sake of relationship, I'm going to bring peace. But you are also adding that really does bring an element of peace to the world. Like it's very, it's a very empowering thing to consider that, that we're well, affecting well, I mean, the world. Think about it. Uh, let's say we have two fellows. One is good, was good, always will be good, cannot but be good. He's good, but he's kind of compulsive, uh, uh, you know, obsessive good guy, but okay, but he is good. Okay. Then you have somebody who has an inclination that challenges him in being good. Mm-hmm. But he nonetheless chooses to be kind, even though he has a stingy side to him. I think we would all agree that the fellow who chooses to be kind is manifesting a rich form of kindness, mm-hmm. or certainly a different form of kindness. Mm-hmm. That's what this world is supposed to be. This world is supposed to be a place for the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And that means a place for the presence of good, because that's what God means to us, is every manifestation of goodness. Mm-hmm. How can we bring home one of the essential lessons of Rosh Hashanah to our children? Well, we have to be the kind of God we want God to be to us. Mm. In other words, you know, um, I've met a lot of people, they'll say they're atheists and because of uh, philosophical reasons, but most atheists I've met, they're atheists because of psychological reasons. 
And that's because most of our um, orientation to God starts with our connection to our parents. Our parents are the first gods in our life. They created us. They set up this world we live in. They're the lawgivers. They're the judge. They're the administrators of consequences. They're our archetype of God. And so when when we grow up with this kind of... um, God image in our life, and it's a negative, toxic, painful one, then we often project it on God. Mm -hmm. And then we have issues with God when really it's an issue with my parents. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if we really want to deliver the message of Rosh Hashanah to our children, then we also have to judge our children from a place of compassion and allow them to understand that I'm judging you because I love you and I want you to become the best you can be. Very nice, very nice. Um, last question, the shofar. Wouldn't be Rosh Hashanah without the shofar blasts. What do you suggest we should have in our mind, also known as our kavana, our intention? What, do, what should we be thinking about as we're hearing the shofar blasts on uh, Rosh Hashanah? One of the most powerful teachings I heard is in the old days, the way they would begin a court case is by blowing the shofar. Today, mm-hmm. we take the little gavel and we <laughs> bang on it on the table. But in the old days, people would blow the shofar. So imagine a guy's on trial. Mm-hmm. He walks into the court and he takes the chauffeur and he blows it. That'd be crazy. Why would anybody invite judgment? But when you invite judgment, we're taught that God who was sitting on the throne of judgment will now sit on the throne of compassion. And how did that happen? Mm. Because when I blow that chauffeur, I'm saying, you know what? I'm not afraid of judgment. I want judgment because I know the one who's judging me judges me because he loves me and only wants the best for me. Amazing, amazing. Wow, thank you so much, Rabbi David Aaron, for helping us get in a great mindset for Rosh Hashanah. Thank you. And there are many videos, articles, recipes, and audio classes about Rosh Hashanah on H.com. Check out all of these fantastic resources on the special section on the website all about Rosh Hashanah. And thanks for listening. 